This is Shifran Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. It's Shifran Stop, it's episode 61. Hello, Layla. I know, we've made it into the next decade. Hi. We're in 2012, which I think think means the world ends soon yeah. we've not talked about that have we oh we're gonna is that your subtle way of seeing into my news about Ooh. my exciting thing that i'm doing that would be very yeah. early but let's talk about it yeah <laughs> so you're doing an event um called the event i am i'm doing two events in february on consecutive sundays the 12th and 19th in the afternoon and they you can go to this is the to find out where and when and buy a ticket um where is it roughly is it in london yeah it's in a pub in london okay. in the basement where we'll be safe, hopefully yeah. from the most, event. most assault. There are lots of sort of competing uh, claims to the apocalypse this year, and um, I think it'd be interesting to hear from some people who actually know about this stuff. So I've got scientists and um, sort of historians and journalists and people who've had access to um, those with extreme and unusual beliefs who want to report some of their discoveries. And each event will be a bit different, and there'll be loads of interesting ideas, so I think it should be fun. And there'll be a quiz at each one, and sort of an open mic spot as well. So if anyone's got any ideas um, that they just want to get out there without officially booking a spot to speak, there'll be a few minutes for people to go and talk about apocalypses to their heart's content. This sounds like fun. And tickets are still available? Yeah, there's still um, still plenty of tickets for both events. The first one is outselling the second one, so I recommend getting one for the second one, because... Just then it'll be a, a more even, yeah. <laughs> it'll be much more pleasing. And the website again is this is the event.com and it's underscore the event underscore on Twitter. <laughs> right. That's handy. Yeah. I was all the good ones have gone. That's <laughs> <laughs> underscore the event underscore. Yes. Brilliant. Well you can't just have one underscore, that's just confusing. It's gonna you make go it symmetrical. Whole... You can't right. It's like the thing with the speakers and the you know got to sell exactly the same number of tickets for yeah. both events got to have an understanding yeah. yes. it's, um, it's yeah. memorable yeah it's good well excellent <laughs> I'll, I look forward to it we're joined today by Lee McGuire resident snack expert on Chiffron Stop hello this is, certainly is a large number of old snacks yes, so that we have here <clears throat> I've delivered a, a massive sack full of inedible snacks which are probably already um, out of date because they were posted to us over a year ago, most of them. Many of them are from other countries which don't share our alphabet. <laughs> it's been quite difficult to tell if they actually are out of date or not, or indeed what they are. But, you know, that's the spirit of Chiffron Stop Snack Time, and um, Lee's going to help us, so I, th- I feel safe. Onwards. Ooh. Lovely. Cheese Kit Kats. Long-time viewers of two episodes ago will will remember that... Was it two episodes ago we mentioned yeah. about the Kit Kats? I think so. Being a sort of tradition in uh, in Japan, I do... I mean, yes, with the proviso that these did expire in 2011, why not try a cheese Kit Kat? Right, they come in little, it's sort of a, bo- a cardboard box full of um, individual mini sticks. Oh yeah, it's a cardboard kind of treasure chest. Oh, visually, they and look like white. white chocolate. They do, they look white, they smell slightly cheesy. It's mostly the smell that you'll get the cheese from and not the actual flavour. Yeah, mm. I'm not tasting very much cheese. They, they, they smell, smell, smell a bit, cheese. don't they? Yeah. Mm. Maybe that's like that's a mozzarella kind of cheese? trick your mind with, with a smell it's not, it's not unpleasant though I think it's alright 
it's not it's not overpowering. If Alice Bartlett was here with her famous lack of sense of oh, smell, yeah. be able to find out whether she just thinks it's a, a milk chocolate. We should bring her to all our snacks. <laughs> 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 we should have her eat food first, first <laughs> to test yes. whether it's okay or not. Yeah. Uh, more Kit Kats. These appear to be strawberry Kit Kat balls. Or wow. I'm assuming this is big balls or something. It's in Japanese. It says, this is big something. Why would you assume that? Why? <laughs> <laughs> You've got nothing to go on. I'm assuming it's big balls. <laughs> to be fair to Lee, it says big. And then some characters yeah. that I can't read. No, it's fair. What would ball. you say? Okay, what would be, what would be your uh, I'd say I'd say big bites. And these ones expired in <laughs> October. <Nice. laughs> Only three months gone. I can't believe we're doing this for free. <laughs> Do we know who sent us these uh, Japanese kit cards? Oh, no one I like. Um, I think it might have been Matthew Dons. <laughs> oh, thanks, Matthew. Oh, there's, oh there's, there, there there's is so more. more. There's I mean, so do we, do we want to have a go? Please, please, because I'm not taking any of it home. Well, it's not clear whether these are like snacks that you can eat dry. Oh, no, they like um, dried worms or something. Nobody would be cruel enough to send us. These ones expired in uh, <laughs> May. Um, I'm really so glad they've just been sitting there in the office. I'm assuming that these can just be eaten out of a packet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I'm going to try I'm them. Not, I'm, I'm feeling sure, brave. I'm not sure what sort of food it is yet. These look like sort of miniature pretzels, but in small stringy film. They are. Um, that is what mealworms would look like <laughs> if you tried them and sold them. Thanks, Lena. Isn't it? These ones look like little strips of bacon. Those are great. Oh. April 2009. <laughs> <laughs> is there any indication from the outside of the pack what they are? Mm. Um... They're like sort of bacon-flavoured rashes, almost. But they're quite, quite but, small but and quite dense, aren't they? Quite there's hard. no English or visual, understandable visual. Do you know what the flavour reminds me of? Hot noodles or a cup of soup. You know how oh, you yeah. often get little sort of hard, dense bits inside? Like without the water, when you eat it raw, because you're so hungry, you can't wait. <laughs> it's just like that. <laughs> the kettle's <of> water. <laughs> when the water hasn't seeped in sufficiently. Yeah, it is exactly like that. What's this? What's this? Mm. Same sort of thing. Um, uncooked pot noodle. <laughs> Chicken curry. Is that what it is? Mm. It tastes like it. Mm. Oh, I like Japan. I mean, it does have, he, he, he does appear to be wearing a turban, so it could be a curry of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> oh I don't know. But I'm just going by. I'm just going by cartoon characters. Each one of these has got a different character on the front from a different uh, with a different ethnicity, perhaps. Although maybe you think that's a butcher. Could be. He's got like a a, a scraper. Mm. Looks like he's like one of those hot. What are the chefs? Spatula. Oh. Yeah, yeah, for like flipping things on a hot, hot. Flipping a burger on a. Or scraping yeah. grout off of tiles. Yeah. I, I, I scraping think... ice off windscreen. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is, is that this is a pictorial representation of, you know, somebody doing a bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> he's, got an, he's got an apron on. He looks like Mario. Spicy grout. <laughs> uh, what else? What else? What's Maybe in the bag? It's in the bag of, of fun. Yeah. Don't According to the uh, associated documentation. Uh, these are random Nigerian snacks from uh, Matsimpsk. <clears throat> Hiya. Some random Nigerian snacks, sweets and stuff for you all to try. They were brought by my workmate, Johnson Ojadeji, so please credit him if you use them in the podcast. As you'll see, the office has instituted a snack tax, which is why the packs are all half empty. Yum. <laughs> Enjoy. Matsimpsk. Who uh, follows us on Twitter and stuff. He does. Hello, Matt Simpsk. Thanks, Matt. And there's a smiley face with a sort of licky lip tongue as wow. well. Wow. And, and Matt sent us oh far too many Nigerian snacks. If you're listening to this and thinking, oh, I'd love to send Chiffon Stop some snacks, please only send us one snack. <laughs> <laughs> Three 
at the absolute most. I'll be posting some pictures of this table and you can see what, what we're talking about here. An amazing haul of Nigerian snacks. So uh, what, what so, have we got so here So we've then? got some evaporated milk. <laughs> Let's put that to one side. I don't know that that's appropriate for right now. Keep that for later. Um, some Nescafe. Sachet. Sachet of coffee. <laughs> Maybe another sachet of coffee. I mean, you know. Okay, that's that's great. This looks a little bit more. We've got the confusingly named burger, which is a a peanuts snack. Oh, let's try that. Let's try some burger peanuts. It's a July 2011. Oh, that's after eating the jam. That's amazing. I guess it's spitting it out into a napkin. They're okay, actually. I mean, I I could eat them in a cinema by the handful, I expect. It's a crispy shell. It's very slightly spicy, is it? Oh, it's got a whole peanut inside. Yeah. That's oh, alright. It's alright. It's alright. <laughs> it's not the best use of peanut I've seen. Here's the particularly exotic sounding tree bore butter mint. Oh. oh yeah. And is this the tree bore as we would understand it, or do you think this is a, well, I mean, a Nigerian coffee of tree bore? No, I mean it's I literally Cadbury's, isn't it? It's it's Okay, made by Cadbury Nigeria PLC. Which I imagine is probably related... It's bound to be, isn't it? ...in some way to the Cadbury that we know. Yeah, the money all goes to the same place. (laughs) The Murray Mint, kind of. It is. Mm. It's very much like a Murray Mint. Well, if you're in Nigeria and you're longing for home and what you really need to get that warm, nostalgic sense of Britain is a Murray Mint, go go to your local petrol station and find the Trebor Butter Mints. Well, I've got a treat for you, Layla. Danny O'Brien, off the internet. Yes, I remember, and off Shift Run Stop, I think Indeed. he's best known for. Previous guest, <laughs> that's, that's his claim to fame. Yeah. Uh, he was at a loose end in New York, mm-hmm. uh, so I asked him to record us a little From Our Own Correspondent style segment. Brilliant. Here it is. <laughs> Hello, Danny. Hello, Rue, and anyone else who's listening to this, which I cannot quite imagine, because it's 5.30 in the morning in a New York hotel room, and even though it is New York, everybody else is in fact asleep. As I look out, all the windows are shuttered, including the long line of windows from which I've spent the last couple of days watching fences on a third or fourth floor move backwards and forwards like like Sabutio football players from one end of the hall to the other. Not quite touching each other at any apparent point. I guess most people don't come to New York to sit in hotel rooms and stare at people having a slightly better time than them, but I'm actually a bit of a a hotel hermit. I'm not one of the businessmen who I really, frankly, kind of hitch a ride on. The transport that I use to get around the world these days and the places I sleep are all really designed for businessmen who live in this sort of cosmetropolis and never really leave it. I'm not one of those, even though I look in the mirror and sometimes I see that in the suit that I wear. But I'm not one of those, Rue. Tell me that I'm not. I sort of just like hotels, partly because they're much bigger than my apartment in San Francisco. I currently live in a studio apartment And it must be one of those sort of desktop studios because it's about the same size as garage band running on an iPad. And there's me and there's currently my girlfriend and also my daughter. 
both there often, um, favorably often, but it is very crowded and it doesn't have a bath. Neither does my girlfriend's place. She lives on a boat and instead of a bath they have, well, just holes in the side that you can drown in uh, if you want to get wet. So mainly what I do when I travel is my work and then I sit in my hotel bath. I've just come out of it, in fact. I do try and do short bursts of exciting things. So, to give you an example of the exciting things I do in New York, um, I went and had a shepherd's pie. That was quite exciting. And then I went back home to the hotel, had a bath, and then I went out again and sat in some comedy, uh, some improvisational comedy. There's a good theatre near the hotel that's about maybe ten paces away, and I feel that's the great advantage of New York, is that you can see things which other people would find exciting or alluring, but you don't really even have to bother wearing socks to attend. And then I came back and had another bath, and then I went out again, because that's the other advantage of New York, and went to see uh, Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible colon Ghost Protocol, which was not as good as uh, Tom Coates um, assured me it was, and seemed to be mainly <laughs> trying to sexualize Tom Cruise, who is now sort of veering into kind of Cliff Richard asexuality. I don't know whether it's the mixture of sort of youthful good looks extrapolated or some sort of intimation of chaste heavenly immortality coming the other way but tom cruise has been sort of sucked dry of any ex sexual excitement and is now this sort of straw-haired desiccated slightly bruised old man um going through the motions there's a great bit in it where uh, he and um his sort of like young spin-off attractive male character what happens is when you have somebody like Bruce Willis or Tom Cruise reaching the, the, the age where they've, they've become Clint Eastwoodized, right? Then somebody else has to step in as their kind of like stunt hunk. And um, anyway, I, I'm not going to spoil the plot of Mission Impossible here, but uh, he and um, the stunt hunk have a discussion, an intense discussion, uh, you can't handle the truth kind of discussion. And at one bit... Tom Cruise says, I'll tell you mine if you'll tell me yours. And I know in the original script that was, I'll show you mine if you'll show me yours. And either Tom Cruise or his sort of atmospheric cluster of advisors realized that this would be YouTube clipped out of all proportion and probably required that edit. And I'll leave you with that, Rue, that image of Tom Cruise having a more intense and uh, consummated social life compared to me, who can only really get my kicks watching fences never even touch on the other side of a wall. I, I think that's probably the metaphor that you're looking for. And now I'm going to snatch a little bit of sleep. Good night. We have with us today Ed Jefferson. Ed, hello. Hello. People might also know you as being Ben. Yes. The social media voice of Shippen's Paste. Yes. I decided as an experiment, um, having seen other people um, doing 
funny corporate Twitter accounts that it'd be interesting to run one of those and since no one was actually offering me any work running one of them I decided <laughs> just to do one for a company regardless of whether they wanted me to or not um, and how did you end up choosing Shipham's Pace? I'm from Chichester in West Sussex which is where I think they still make it but it definitely used to be made in like a factory right in the town centre so the stench of Shipham's Pace was familiar <laughs> from my childhood Was this your retribution um, on them? Well it also seemed like they were a brand not likely to know what Twitter was so I wasn't that <laughs> likely to get sued <laughs> and I could probably get away with it for long enough that it would actually be funny rather than getting it shut down after three days and how long did you get away with it for? I think it was three to four weeks I, I did it for a couple of weeks and no one really noticed and then loads of people suddenly noticed and then for about a week it slowly got up to like 9,000 followers and then the brand who actually owns Shippham's now did notice and asked Twitter to shut it down. How did it get so big? It was very funny but do you know what was the turning point at which suddenly everybody noticed it? A couple of people picked up on it. The Guardian Music Twitter account for some reason retweeted it and people like, a couple of people like Caitlin Moran. How often did you tweet? Um, I would schedule about 10 a day, something like that, and then do a few more, basically um, in case anyone was going to um, question why I was doing this instead of my job, I should actually do them at home in the morning. <laughs> and also it helped that I decided Ben was so stupid about using Twitter that he would never really at-reply anyone, so there was no real need, need to do anything live. But Ben was really, really naive. Yeah. His, uh, his general approach to Twitter, um, well, it seemed like he was a very believable, rubbish, uh, sort of intern-level person who might be, might be running this account and yeah. completely not know what he was doing. It's funny, I still have a thing looking for mentions of the account, and every so often it comes up linked with a news story, like there was that Tom Watson thing. His intern supposedly posted something on his account about, like, I'm... My boss is away from his desk, shouldn't have left me logged into Twitter and said something questionable involving the word rape, yeah. um, which then Tom Watson had to apologise for. And there were a couple of people going, as he hired Ben, the shipping space intern. I don't think... I'm not sure Ben ever talks about rape. <laughs> he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have used the term Twitter rape. Yeah. <laughs> Can you give us some examples of some of the things that you tweeted as Ben? The one that I got quite a lot of mileage out, because people did ask a lot... Because the interesting thing was people did actually quite often interact with it as though it was the actual brand. Mm. Being savvy enough to think, okay, this is someone taking the piss, but it's someone taking the piss for the brand. Yeah. Yeah. But so people would actually ask like brand-related questions like, why don't you do any vegetarian-related paste? To which Ben would inevitably reply, why not try the crab? Is it his only crab? Crabs. Were you disappointed when Shippums came knocking at the door saying, please stop this nonsense? <laughs> the problem, I kind, was kind of relieved because it got to the point where it was quite good fun, but it was getting to the point where I'd kind of run out of things that I could do off the top of my head, and to continue it would have made it more like an actual job. Right. And since I wasn't getting paid for it. Yeah. I, and then also the fact that it got shut down, that's when actually people started noticing. Yeah. And I managed to get paid £87 to write about it for The Guardian, so I went, <laughs> oh, profit! <laughs> Did you get um, Shippen's Pace sent to you by Shippen's? Not, like no. A, a thank co- you. <laughs> I, I did have a fine conversation with uh, a director of their marketing company right. who said, like, the, basically they were quite happy with it, but the reason they'd had to shut it down is because 
they didn't he didn't say this but I'm assuming it was they didn't know that next week I wasn't going to start writing about like how I was putting glass in the jars or whatever so um also, it was it was quite as you, as you said earlier. It was quite believably um, like they were trying to be funny. Like yeah. Shippens had thought of a really clever angle on making people like them, which was to pretend to be really stupid. Yeah. And I suppose at that point, it was confusing enough that some people would have thought this is for real and others weren't sure. Yeah. And because princes now who own the Shippens brand don't really have anything to do with online because they're essentially sort of out for selling paste to pensioners there. There's not much crossover between the two of them and took the world of Twitter. So as long, I think it sounded like he was going to say to them, maybe you guys should think about doing something more with this, but right. I never heard from them. Maybe that's like they'll uh, pay someone else to be Ben the Shippen's intern. I don't think I could object if they started doing it really <laughs> a bit much. I certainly had a well, probably five or six people um, showed it to me and said, this is brilliant, Shippens are doing this really funny thing and they're really mm. clever and it's the first time they've seen a brand sort of being this cheeky and messing with their own image. Yeah. Um, and if it had been them, it would have been almost unbelievably brave, really. Yeah, I think that's the, it is the thing of, like, it kind of worked because it's the thing that almost no brand would bother to, well, or not, wouldn't bother, but would be too terrified of doing. <laughs> so you couldn't, it only worked because it couldn't work. <laughs> I think other than the um, it's just crabs tweet oh, my second favourite was probably the one where you just tweeted hash paste it's just, <laughs> just one hashtag oh, he, did that, he did that about <laughs> twice a day because it's really easy and people always retweeted it it was really low effort <laughs> so this is something that you'll probably be familiar with but when was the last time you had a kinder surprise. Oh, a long time ago. A while ago, yeah. Do you remember when they first came out? No. 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 Because they came out 40 years ago this year. How old do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> I, that was, I was attempting to trick you. It was rhetorical. <laughs> with, with, with the question. It was a flourish. No, nobody on this table remembers when Kinder Surprise first came out. They came out in 1972. Wow. It was minus six. I thought this would be, like, a good excuse to actually go out and buy a Kinder Surprise and see how they've changed. Are, they, are, these, are the Kinder Surprise, am I right in thinking, they're one of the confectionery eggs that is available all year round? Yes, yes they are. Unlike the Cambridge Cream Egg. I believe it's also a federal crime to sell or import one to America. Really? That's why they taste like freedom. Yeah, it's to do with basically feeding children sweets with toys it's, inside. Oh, really? For some it reason, is, Americans think that's a weird idea. It is actually... Um, a law in the US that predates Kinder Surprise uh, that you can't sell uh, non-edible items encased within edible items everywhere else in the world well, you can buy Kinder Surprise they're missing out all year round but they will stop you at customs if you're attempting to smuggle in Kinder Surprise <laughs> and they will, have the, they will have the eggs destroyed <laughs> in front of you <laughs> so, so any American listeners We'll have no idea what we're talking about. So a Kinder Surprise is a, is a brown, sort of cheap dairy chocolate egg, which is hollow, and the inside of the egg is white chocolate. So it's like a sort of um, two-tone egg. And then every single egg has inside it a plastic capsule. Inside each plastic capsule are the components for some kind of... I say toy, but sometimes it's a bit more sort of surreal than a toy. Sometimes it's like a... <laughs> A thing that moves or does something in an interesting way. Or just a statue of a small crocodile, I remember from... (laughs) Statue? A a little miniature model, maybe, is a better word. A small small plastic rendering 
interesting. Someone gave me one the other day, and the toy was um, penguin on a, two bits of penguin on a rock, but the penguin's feet were attached to the rock. So if you took the penguin away, it looked like someone had been blowing up penguins. <laughs> <laughs> They're always a bit disappointing. I mean, it's a bit of a truism that Kinder Eggs are always a bit disappointing. The, the thing inside never really lives up to the hype. I remember there was a time when I, I would dismiss Kinder Eggs as uh, being all that's wrong with the world. And it, it seemed like the perfect encapsulation of kind of like everything that's wrong with Western consumerism. Uh, but now, now I look at it and go, they're little things for kids to build. Yeah. You know, it's it's like a tiny little building set. They they, uh, they they may not be Lego. They are promoting this sort of little sort of like miniature construction. We but we've got two here, and I have to say, me and Rue have both built amazing car. Mine's slightly better than Rue's because when you pull it back, it goes forward. I remember yeah. getting one like this in a Happy Meal once. It's got <laughs> a, McDonald's. It's got a very exciting little whizzy pullback motor. Mine was less exciting. It came in two parts the wheels and the base which were, were sort of one pre-built thing uh, and then the chassis which sits on the top and clips in and, and there you go that's it that's but very dull and I disagree with Lee that this is teaching me how the joy of building well also it teaches you about the disappointments <laughs> in life <laughs> you can't always choose uh, what you end up with okay so Kinder Eggs are 40 years old yep and enjoyed everywhere in the free world <laughs> <laughs> So what, what else do you do, Ed, apart from um, ventriloquising characters on Twitter? Um, a project which I keep meaning to come back to, because people do seem to be um, find it vaguely endearing when they come across it, is the uh, Nauvoo Shamanic, um, which is a project um, inspired by... I um, seeing it's been like 18 months ago, I came across a blog that was taking three stills from a film... And it, but it, uh, from and each entry is a different film. It still would be from the same point, so it'd be like one minute in, half an hour in, sixty minutes in. But it's, it, was, it kind of stuck with me, like as an interesting thing of just taking these three stills and the represented things. And then for some reason, I became obsessed with the films of Nicolas Cage, <laughs> and I decided to start a project where I'd watch the films of Nicolas Cage and essentially try and find the three funniest faces Nicolas Cage calls into the films, um, which I got about halfway through, um, and I should get back to, because um, every so often it kind of gets a spike of traffic as some new place on the internet discovers it. Nauvoo Shamanic, which is actually Nicolas Cage's own description of his style of acting. <laughs> um, well, Ed Jefferson, internet terrorist and funny man, thank you for joining us on Chiffron Stop today. It was really cool to meet You're you. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll do something else and won't ever, forever be known as that bloke from Chiffron Spaced. <laughs> You got the best one. It's yes, like um, you, you weren't an only child, were you, Layla? No. You had a, a sibling. Yes, brother. I had a brother as well, and I remember whenever something like that happened, like you know, Uncle Lee comes around with his Kinder eggs, <laughs> yeah, and he gives you one each, and then one of you gets the really good one, like you yeah. did just there with yeah. the pullback motor, and then you have to fight. <laughs> but, but yeah, but to point it out to you, you've got suspension on yours. Look. Oh, do you I like push it? it? Do you like the suspension, of... or are you no. actually just placating me? I'm just, trying to... <laughs> I'm just trying to highlight I think what you like about mine. It's good, but no better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> but you should still keep your one. I'm a computer.